So great to see you this day. I trust that you had a wonderful time celebrating the incarnation of the Son of God on Christmas this past year. Happy New Year! 2024 is upon us, and I trust that you are looking to our great God to supply great grace to you and yours as we are on the eve of a brand new year, 2024. If we've not had opportunity to meet just yet, my name is Jordan Johnson, have the joy of serving as our lead pastor and one of our elders. If you're online, we are so glad that you are here. As you look around, you may see some of our normal folks are not here as some sickness has hit our church body, uh, surgeries and preparation for surgeries and all the like. Some of us this past week experienced loss, and yet God has been gracious, has he not, to continue to sustain us as a people, and I'm so glad that he has willed us to be together on this final Lord's Day of 2023. I do want you to know that uh, my wife, Ember, and I and our family are so grateful for each of you and the Christmas cards and the various sentiments that you pointed our direction during not just the Christmas season, but really for the entire 2023 year. We consider our family most blessed to be a part of this wonderful church family. And I want you to know on Tuesday we're leaving to go back to Texas and then we'll be back home. Don't miss that. We'll be back home the following Tuesday and uh, we're looking forward to being with family and uh, we're also looking forward to all God has for us as a church body when we get back uh, in the new year. Next Sunday, Doug will be preaching. So begin reading Ephesians chapter 3. Doug will be preaching that day. Some of you have asked about the book of Ruth. We have not forgotten about her. Um, I am going to pick up Ruth 3 and Ruth 4. I'll be preaching Ruth 3 on, uh, or I'm sorry, July, January 14th, and then Ruth 4, January 21st, and then we're going to begin a verse-by-verse study through the book of James. And so you'll want to start reading the book of James and getting prepared for just a potent five-chapter little book that I believe is really going to rock our world in 2024, and God's going to use it to really, I think, both challenge you and simultaneously convict you and sweeten you as you and I look to live out our faith and what it really means to have a faith that looks like something. So begin to read the book of James, and we're going to work through that together. But for today, if you have your Bible, uh, Jude, the little book of Jude, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it is the last book of the Bible. So Jude, and then the book of Revelation. So make your way there to the book of Jude, pray with me, and then we're going to hop in. Our Father, we bless your name today. Uh, What a glorious God that you are, uh, namely for adopting us into your forever family. Thank you that we didn't get in and we don't stay in by our own good effort or our own good works. We thank you that you love us in spite of us and you have given us the assurance that our salvation is secure. And I pray, God, if there's someone here today that does not have the assurance and the security and the stability of salvation and what it means to rest fully and finally and forever in the work of Christ, God, that you would grant them that great assurance today. I thank you that you love us and that you've given us your word so that we can study it, we can nourish ourselves by it, 
And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us your eyes now as we look at this most important text and this most important idea of your love, O God, for us in Jesus. And I pray that we have sung songs and truths about you. We have declared these things are true of you, and yet we know that's not enough for you, Lord. You want us to live out our faith that our lives would be marked with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I thank you, Lord, that you're sustaining some in our congregation right now who are watching online, who are battling sickness, for others in this room and maybe online who have lost loved ones this week. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who's given us so many great promises of your presence and your power and your provision in our lives. Even when our lives are difficult, we thank you. That doesn't diminish who you are one iota. So now, God, meet us in your word as you promised you would. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, a botanist is a scientist who specializes in plant biology. A botanist is a scientist that specializes in plant biology. And any botanist that you talk to, and I, don't tr I trust that you probably haven't talked to many botanists in your life, but if you have, what a botanist will tell you about the health of a plant is it is dependent on the health of the soil. And so if you want plants that will thrive and plants that will grow and flourish, then you must have soil that is nourishing and that has been freed of various ailments that could hinder the growth of the plant that has been planted in the soil. Make no mistake about it, there is a difference in dirt and soil. Soil has been cultivated. Soil has had certain things taken out of it, other things put in it so that the plant could be nourished with the various nutrients so that sunlight could get to it, so that water could penetrate the various cells inside the dirt. And so the soil is highly important to the development of the plant. And in 2024, what I trust for you, and, and I, I hope you trust for me, is that we all desire that our spiritual life, that our walk with God, that our pursuit of Jesus would grow, that it would flourish, that we would ever be more like our God in the year to come. And what I want you to know is if you want that to take place, then you have to make sure that the soil of your potential growth or lack therein has been cultivated and that you are surrounding yourself with something that is highly important and grounding yourself literally in something that will extemporaneously grow you in ways that nothing else simply will, and that is this, the love of God in Christ Jesus for you. Today, in the book of Jude, we meet this man named Jude, 
And he, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is going to help us learn how to cultivate God's love in our life. So much so that I believe it will be enough for you to carry you through the next 365 days so that at this time next year, when we're all in this place together, you can look back on the year behind you and say, I'm not where I should be, I know, but thank God I'm not where I was, and I am making progress, and I am maturing, and I am growing in godliness. I am growing in my pursuit of God. And so Jude was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. And growing up, what we know about Jude is he thought his brother Jesus was nuts. He thought Jesus was out of his mind. Jesus made these claims like, I am God. Before, um, before there was anything, I am. He made these statements, and he had family. And he had, he had family who were watching him and, and listening to him and and Jude thought Jesus had lost his mind at some of the claims that he had made. And yet, when he saw Jesus rise from the dead, he had a uh-oh moment. I mean, talk about an uh-oh moment. You think your brother's crazy. They kill him. They put him in a tomb. And then all of a sudden, he rises from the dead. And when Jude saw Jesus, he had an experience with God, and he believed that Jesus is the Son of God. And everything that Jesus said was true in his earthly life, he actually believed it now. And the resurrection made all the difference in the life of Jude. And then what we know about church history is Jude became a very influential teacher in the Christian church. So much so that he gets a book inside the New Testament named the book of, you guessed it, Jude. And Jude is writing this letter to a church who is being plagued by false teachers and being plagued by teachings that are simply not true. A couple of major things that Jude is addressing. First of all, these false teachers have perverted the love of God. Namely, what they have said is, is that because God loves you, you can live however you want. And God doesn't care about your conduct, He doesn't care about your beliefs, that His love is love for you regardless of what you do, and He actually doesn't even care about what you do. Second of all, these false teachers were denying the Lordship of Christ. In other words, they were denying that Jesus is superior, that He really is Lord of Lords, that He really is King of Kings, and that He is cosmically reigning over the entire universe. These teachers would say that is simply not true. And so, I want you to notice verse 3, it says, Beloved, although, this is Jude, I, I, Jude, was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. I found it necessary to write appear, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So notice Jude says, I was going to write you about some common things about our salvation. I was going to write you a letter about encouraging you, He's going to write a letter about some doctrine that is true. We don't really know, but he was going to write something about their common salvation that they shared in as brothers and sisters in the faith. But he says, when I learned about the false teachers that were plaguing you and teaching error, I changed my game plan a bit. And he said, now I'm actually writing you because I want you to contend for the faith. Uh, to contend means uh, give all your energy. 
uh, for you athletes in the room, it is to leave it all in the field. It is to exert maximum effort for the faith, to defend the faith, to stand firm in the faith. Notice the definite article there, the faith, the faith. So this is the Christian faith. In other words, don't listen to these false teachers, but contend with all that you have to not lose what you know is true about the faith. Contend, work for. Uh, it's, it's a, there's a, an athletic term. It's, 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 it's a, a sweat, a holy sweat. Uh, you, you get the idea. Work with all that you got to not listen to this baloney and contend for the faith. Notice 17. Remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. 18. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, and you know scoffers are going to scoff, following their own ungodly passions. It is these, these teachers and their teachings, who cause divisions. Notice, they're worldly people. And this is why they are devoid or they do not have the Holy Spirit. And then notice 20, but you, or you could say, but y'all, but you all, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep 21, yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, quick grammar lesson here. There's only one command in those two verses. The rest of the exhortations are supporting the command. In other words, the other exhortations are saying, this is how you do this. And the only command is the underlined phrase there, keep yourselves in the love of God. That is a command. It's something that we are all called to do as the people of God. We are to keep ourselves in the love of God. So today, I want to help us, and, and more importantly, I just want to show us how to cultivate God's love in our lives. So what does it mean to keep ourselves, if that's the command, what does it mean to keep yourselves in the love of God? Well, let's first of all answer the question of what it doesn't mean. This is what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean live your life in such a way that will keep God loving you. We know that will never work. Because we did nothing to earn the love of God. There's nothing you did to cause God to love you. In, other words, in fact, God had every reason not to love you. Given your sin, given your rebellion, whenever it was in your B.C. days, God had every reason to kick you to the curb. Every reason to say, give him what he deserves. So you, you don't earn the love of God. God, 1 John 4, 8, by his very nature is loving. In other words, it is this God who is love, who loved you when he saved you in spite of you. 
And God's saving love has now been given to those who have received Jesus alone as their Savior King. So if you're here in the room or you're watching online and there's a moment in time in your life where you recognize God is holy, I'm a sinner, only Jesus can save me, and you put your faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone, no boasting of your, look what I did, but I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone, then you can be assured right now that you are the beloved of God, that you are uh, um, um, loved greatly by God. So notice back up in verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother to James, that's where we're headed, end of next month, the other brother of Jesus who had an uh-oh moment, we'll learn about that, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and notice, kept, kept, underline that word, kept for Jesus Christ. So, so notice, it's not that you keep God loving you. Actually, God the Father is the one who's keeping you in Jesus. You're not keeping yourself in God's good graces. Jesus has given you the good grace of God, and it is God the Father who is keeping you and making sure that you are never not in the family of God. Now, notice how the letter closes, verse 24. This is going to be a bookend, or in theological terms, this is called an inclusio. This is two, two bookends, and, and the data in the middle is being bookended by these two things. Notice this. Now, to him who is able to keep, see that word again? Keep. So, writing to those who are being kept, and now, to him who is able to keep, y- y- y'all, you, y- you guys, from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and great joy. Now, the reason you're blameless is not because you don't have room to be blamed. It is because Jesus perfectly kept the law of God, and now you're in him. So you can't be blamed for any of your sin anymore because God the Father blamed Jesus for all of your sin. And you now are being kept, and you one day will be presented and this is why the Bible says in Ephesians 1.3 that um, every spiritual blessing in Christ is yours. And it is as if you are already in heaven, seated with him, the Bible says. You're just waiting to get a new body so you can actually live there. It, but it is, your salvation is as secure as if you were already in heaven because you're being kept not by your blamelessness, but by the blamelessness of Jesus that has been accrued or credited to you for all of eternity. And that happened the moment God called you, justified you, saved you, glorified you, and gave you the assurance of his never-ending, relentless, never-run-out love that was bound for you when Jesus died for you upon the cross. So the call here is not, you better get your act together, bro. You better shape up. You better spiritually sit up straight, or God's not going to love you anymore. If anybody ever tells you that, that is a false teacher, and that's what Jude is writing about. So 
So what does it mean then? If it doesn't mean you better act right or God's going to stop loving you, what it means is to keep yourself in the love of God, here it is, is to keep yourself in the enjoyment of His love. That's a game changer. To keep yourself in the love of God is to keep enjoying His love. Don't stop enjoying it. Don't stop finding everything, your worth, your value, your meaning, your identity, your reason for living is bound up that I am loved by God. Jude is saying, rest in God's love and receive it fresh daily. See, we must keep this thought ever in our mind as the people of God. God, this is going to be hard for some of you, okay? But God takes pleasure and delight in me. And that's hard for some of us, because our daddy never told us that. It's hard for some of us, because you, you, you never really had anybody love you like that, to say, I take delight in you. Do you know anybody like that? That when they just look at you, their heart just sings for joy, because they just delight in you? Well, I know you don't know anybody like that the way that God loves you. So don't be looking for somebody else to be what only God can be. Everybody but God makes a shabby God. There's nobody like God. There's nobody that's going to love you like God. But God delights in you, friend. If you're His child, delights in you. Now, that doesn't mean He delights in everything that you do that goes against his word. But it just means the disposition of the heart of God is he loves you. He loves you. He delights in you. He cares deeply for you, and as the text says, for y'all, for you guys, collectively. And what God wants you to do every single day is experience the depth of his love for you so that it would motivate everything you do for him is you saying, God, I love you too. God, I love you back. So he says, keep yourself in it. Don't ever walk away from it. Now, I want to tell you something. Some of us in this room have gotten over that. Some of us in this room have gotten over the love of God. Like we affirm it theologically on paper. Oh, yeah. God loves me. I figure if that changes, he'll let me know. But you don't experience it. Like you, don't, you don't sit in his presence and just enjoy him as he enjoys you and your friendship and your intimacy and your depth of relationship with him. It's stale because you've gotten over the love of God. You've gotten over what it tastes like. You haven't tasted it in a while. Although you, you affirm it on paper and you're, you're in Christ and all those things, but you don't taste it. So you know what you need to do? You need to ask God to renew it in you. To renew it. Maybe you need to take a drive, a walk, 
If you got kids, you're going to have to get up at 4 a.m. probably. But you just need to get with God and ask Him to restore the joy of your salvation and what it was like when you first believed that you would taste it. The constant temptation is in your life, in my life, is to make something other than God's love for us ultimate. What are some things that do that? Well, I think career is certainly one of those things. Um, if you put your worth in yourself in your career or your degree, it's going to go real bad for you. Because as good as it feels on graduation day or when you first got the job, it ain't always going to be like that. There's going to be some really hard days. And if you are bound up in your career for your value and your hope and the reason you exist, and it's going to be disastrous. Other people pour their lives into their children turning out a certain way. And then their kid graduates high school and they go nuts. And the parents are a disaster. Yeah, your heart breaks, obviously. I mean, what parent wants to not grieve over their children's failures? But friend, your identity is not in your kids turning out right. Your identity is that I am loved by God in Jesus. I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to seek to love it myself. I'm going to pour into my kids. I'm, I'm going to seek to give them the education. If we go private, okay. If we go homeschool, okay. If we have more of the public, okay. Or whatever. But ultimately, these kids are yours, God. And you gave them to me on loan, but they're not mine. And they could completely shipwreck their faith one day. And that's going to grieve mom and dad's heart. But you know what? My identity, value, and worth is not found in my kids turning out a certain way. Or you could put it in your wealth. I mean, you got your 401k right where it needs to be. You got your retirement looking pretty good. Got my house paid off. All is great. And then you get terminal cancer. And you got $300,000 worth of doctor bills this year. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's going to be a disaster. You need to eat your greens and drink your smoothies and all your stuff, but just know it could go bad. And if your identity is built up in a certain look or a certain whatever when it comes to your health, or there's some of us that are looking for a relationship to finally be healed, and you put all of your, all of your effort in trying to make it work, or I just want them to like me, or love me, or whatever. And what if they don't ever? What if they despise you? What if you and them never get along? Are you okay with that? Are you, have you done everything in, in God's power and His Word to seek to mend the relationship? But if they don't want to mend it, your worth, value, and dignity are not found in that being all well. It's found in the fact that God loves me in Jesus. Or... We're coming into an election year. Your presidential candidate and all that you're going to try to do and think and hope and, you know, you need to be an informed citizen. There's no doubt about that. But some of us are way too occupied with getting our candidate and somehow thinking if just him or her got into office, we, all this would go away. Wrong. And if you put all your hope in him, 
we know, or her, what if they lose? You going to be okay, bro? You going to be okay? Yeah, you're going to be okay because your worth, value, security, hope, all those is not found in any of those things. C.S. Lewis said it this way, don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. That's a good word. It's a good word, Clive. Don't let your happiness be built on something that you could lose. And what Jude is saying here is the one thing that you cannot lose is the love of God in Jesus for you. So cultivate your happiness in the love of God. Well, the question is, well, Jordan, how do you do that? Well, he helps us out. Three ways to do that. First of all, building. That's the first blank there in your outline, building. He says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Now, he's not talking here about subjective faith. In other words, he's not talking about your personal faith in Jesus. Rather, he's talking about the faith objectively, like the faith, Christianity, both in the Old and the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus, to build yourself up in the Christian faith. And here's the deal. God's love is a subjective experience. In other words, to be a Christian, you must experience the love of God. It has to be a, an ex personal experience. But before it is a personal experience, it has to be an objective reality. In other words, I see the truth that God loves me in Jesus. Well, how do I see that? Well, he demonstrated his own love for me and that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Oh, wow. And see what happens is your mind begins to change. You were putting your hope in church attendance or hope in baptism or hope in, you know, pleasing your mom or whatever. And you were looking for that to give you a right relationship with God. And all of a sudden, your mind changed. You're like, oh, oh wow. And you, as the old hymn writer, you saw the light. And your mind changed, and you said, wow, I, 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 God loves me. And, and then what happens is your mind, it goes down to your affections, your feelings. And you start to feel something inside of you. And all of a sudden, you experience the love of God. And you're born again. And all of a sudden, your eyes are open. Now, that has to happen. I'm not saying you had to like do a backflip or had snot running down your face. or I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you had to inside of you. For me, it was when I was 10 years old. I experienced the love of God for the first time in my life, and I recognized God loves me. How? Death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and, and I, 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 I mean, I just, I knew it. I'm different now. I'm different now. I'm forever different. And from 10 years old until this day, I've known the love of God because I experienced it. But that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is that you have to build, now that you've had subjective faith, you've now have to build yourself up in the objective faith. In other words, this is what Christianity is. This is what's true. And now you've got to build yourself up. 
And he says, the way you get built up here is in the faith. Now, this is why um, you need the Bible, okay? You need the Scripture. Because in the Bible, the Bible doesn't just tell you what God's love is like. It's actually going to tell you what the God who loves you is like. It doesn't just tell you what God's love is like. The Bible actually communicates what the God who loves us is actually like. And so the Bible, you should write this down, the Bible is a necessity for my intimacy with God. The Bible is a necessity for my intimacy with God. The people who have the most intimacy with God are the ones who have the most intimacy with Him in His Word. If, if you want friendship with God, you're going to have to get in His Scripture. Jude is saying, look, these false teachers are misrepresenting God. So, write this down. There is a God of human imagination, but I must trust in the God of divine revelation. There's human imagination. In other words, there's certain things you wish were true about God. I wish God was this way. Well, He's not. So, you can't put your hope in a God that you've imagined in your mind or you wish He was. You must actually put your hope in the God who really is. And that is only given to us in divine revelation. So don't look to your imagination, look to revelation to really understand who God is. If you, and, and, on, and, and to supplement that, if you've not read J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, that needs to be at the top of your 2024 reading, you need to read that book before you die, okay? God's going to use it to supplement great things in your pursuit of God. Knowing God, J.I. Packer, free download, by the way, on Kindle and other, other platforms. Again, not to replace, but to supplement and kind of give you some handles of, of how to see and savor the Lord. But listen, it's going to take time for you to get to know God. It's going to take time. So that means you've got to be consistent. If you don't consistently spend time with someone, you're not going to have a really good relationship with them. So you've got to get in the Scripture because that is where you are looking into the face of God. Just like any relationship, if it's going to deepen, if it's going to be sweet, it takes time. You should write this down. It takes time to build friendship with God. God has befriended you, okay? He's befriended you. He adopted you. You're His kid, you're his child, but it's going to take time for you to understand who he is and how to please him. It's going to take time. So listen, give yourself some grace if you're not where you need to be, but don't give yourself so much grace that you're lazy, all right? But just take it. I got to get in the Scripture. You might say, Jordan, well, how do I do that? Well, the first thing you need is you need a time that you're going to meet with God. And then you need a place. And you need to treat that like, like it is the most important appointment that you have every single day. And you're not going to miss it. You're not going to stand God up. In other words... If you will get consistent and say every morning at 4.30, that may not be true for you, every night at 10.30, every morning after I get the kids wherever, 
that's for me and the Lord. And you guard that time. And if someone wants to meet you during that time, you know what you tell them? I'd love to, but I have an appointment. And you guard that with all that you got. Don't move an inch. Obviously, if the house is on fire, you got to move. But as a whole, that is, do not stand God up. There's an open invitation that he has for you to meet with him. But then you also need a plan, right? You need a Bible reading plan of some kind. Because if, unless you have a plan, don't, you know, don't do this. Well, let me see where I want to read. Oh, and Judas killed himself. Okay. No. Read a, get a Bible reading plan. Now, we have a Bible reading plan here. We're on year two of it, so you're welcome to hop in with us. But at the same time, you don't have to. Just download the ESV Bible app has updated it this year, and it is stellar, y'all. It is great. ESV Bible app, they have a $20 a year plan. It's usually 45 bucks. It's $20. It has all kinds of plans, all kinds of resources. Download it today. If, if you need to borrow some money, Tom will be glad to pay for it. No, just kidding. <laughs> Somebody will. Um, but, but, uh, but no, get, get that Bible, get, get the ESV study Bible app if you need some more resources to help pour in. And if you're here today and you're new to the Bible or you just say, Jordan, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I like need baby steps. It's been a long time. Well, we purchased a number of these Gospel of John New Testament. So this is a reading format of the Gospel of John. So there's no chapters or verses. This is like a novel in one sense. Um, and you just read from beginning to end the Gospel of John. They're at the Welcome Center. If you're like, Jordan, I need baby steps. Well, listen, this is your baby step. You read a little bit of it every day. But man, you do it every day at the same time, same place, like your life depended on it because it does. And you watch... You watch God build you up in the faith. You just watch it. Notice he says build up in. So you've got to be in the faith to be built up in the faith. You see that? You're in. Now that you're in, because your faith alone is in Christ alone, now you've got to build up. How are you going to do that? Well, you've got to get in the Scripture. You've got to read. Here's the good thing, friends. This 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that the Holy Spirit is given to you so that you could better comprehend the things of God. Okay? See, the Holy Spirit, he wants you to understand the Bible. He does. We read the Bible not for good advice to have a happy life, although that's going to happen. Happiest people in the world are Christians, all right? So that's going to happen. But the reason that you read the Bible is not to get good advice. The reason you read the Bible is to get a greater vision of God, a greater understanding of all that makes Him Him, understanding His ways, understanding His will, understanding His heart for you in Jesus. And then here's the key thing, obey what he shows you. Every day when you read, before you get up, what, what, what do I need to do from here? We don't just check it off and say, man, I read today. All right, God, give me a good day. Let's go. No, what is a step of obedience that you read from the text that now you need to put in your life as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a retiree, as a person who just lost your job? As a 12-year-old, as a 10-year-old, as an 18-year-old, as a college student, what do I need to do with this text? In other words, after I read it, here's the question, so what? So what? You've got to ask the question, so what? Now that I know I read it, I understand it, so what? So what? If you don't ask so what, then you'll just be really good, full of Bible knowledge, and the Bible says knowledge puffs up, 
and you'll walk around with your chest out like everybody. I wish they had the knowledge I had, but, but you're not living out any of it, and you're full of yourself. So you got to ask, so what? And then notice verse 9 of John 15. Notice, as the Father, Jesus says, has loved, has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide means remain. Abide means hang out. Abide means don't leave. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, Jesus is not saying, I will keep loving you if you obey me. Rather, what He's saying is, is that if you want to experience the fullness of my love, then obey me. So we got to commit to read. we got to commit to obey. And then notice verse 18 of Jude 1, or Jude, right? verse 18 says, they said, they said to you, this is the false teachers, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Verse 19, it is, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So notice these folks don't have the Holy Spirit and they're following their own desires. But as the people of God, we don't follow our own desires. Just because you feel like you should do something, it does not mean you should do it. You must measure every feeling you have on the Word of God. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your heart will lie to you. 1 John 4. Your heart will condemn you. Your heart will tell you you're not really saved. Look what you just said. Look what you just thought. You're not Look at you. It will condemn you. You've got to get yourself out of you and, and take everything. Again, I've said this before, but this, I mean, everything that you see is to read it through Scripture. Everything you read, every preacher you hear, everything you hear, it has to be read through. If, if, if what someone says over here cannot get through here, then you should reject it as either they just don't know or they know, and they're trying to deceive me. Now, we're going to give grace, because some people just don't know that they don't know, right? So we're going to give grace. But some people know, and they're, they're bent on deceiving you, and regardless of their motive, it doesn't matter, because if you have the truth of God's Word, it will give you validation, or it will tell you, walk away. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, don't lean on your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Here is how you know one major way you know if your relationship with God is real. You stop doing some things that you wish you could, and you start doing some things that sometimes you'd rather not do. doesn't always validate it. That's why I said it's major. doesn't always validate it, but it will... When, when you start losing arguments with God, what it is showing is that you're, you're coming under His reign. And like we, like we saw last week, the Spirit of God is going to help you do that. He's gonna, but there's going to be days, right? There's going to be days where you're like, my flesh is strong, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this, but I know I should. Over time, as you build friendship with God, you will experience His love as you obey Him, and you will get a taste for it, and you will begin to crave pleasure with God. So we've got to build ourselves up. Second of all, notice, not just building, but praying. Notice, and praying 
in the Holy Spirit. So we read the Bible in the Holy Spirit, and we pray in the Holy Spirit. You you cannot cultivate God's love apart from praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to help you pray. He's going to energize your prayer. He's going to guide your prayer. Romans 8, notice verse 15, for God did not for, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See, there's an impulse in you if you're a Christian. You want to talk to God. You want to talk to God. There's an impulse. You know, when I get up in the morning, one of my first thoughts is, good morning, God really is, because there's an impulse in me that I, just, I want to commune with Him. I want to talk with Him. I want to fellowship with Him. I want to enjoy Him. I want to be with Him. And I, didn't make my, I don't make myself do that. It's the Spirit of God who is impulse in me to say, Abba, Father. Abba is this intimate, you know, be careful with this, but this idea of Daddy, this idea of my intimate Dad, my, my father, we, we just, I, I just want to ask you this. Do you just want to talk to him? Is there an impulse in you that just, I just want to talk to him? If there's not, there's something wrong. Because the Spirit of God will make sure that you just cry out, Abba, I, I need help. I mean, this is true with your own children. You know, when Eden and Theo were like just months old, they were trying to talk to us, right? They're just trying to figure out how to communicate because it's just in them. They got a mom, they got a dad, they just, I want to talk, I want to commune. Every morning, I'm on the couch, early, early, early reading the Bible, and here comes Eden, the first thing out of her mouth, dad, and then all day long, dad, 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 and then Eden gets, the brother gets up about an hour and a half later, dad, 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 there's an impulse in them. It's in your DNA, bro, it's in your DNA, sister. If you know God, there's an impulse in you that just wants to talk to Abba. Jesus gave you the Lord's Prayer if you need help. But let me tell you something. Another help is simply the Spirit of God bubbling in your soul, saturated with the Word of God, and then you just speak heavenly toward God. That's praying in the Holy Spirit. He's bubbling in you. My mind's full of divine Scripture, and now I just I talk to God. I'm just Think about it this way. Reading the Bible is like breathing in. Praying is breathing out. So in the morning... Then all day long, I blow out. If you don't, you're not going to have much to. And you may say, well, Jordan, I memorized a lot of Scripture. Good, good. What I fear, though, is some people, they compartmentalize it, and they spend time praying through a prayer list, but then they don't spend the rest of the day communing with God. But I'll tell you this. I know very few people who pray without ceasing that don't have a time of designation where I spend time praying with God. Because that, that intentional time fuels the rest of the day. And that's why you, you've got to guard that time, friend, so that you'll pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm out of time here. Third, third of all, waiting. Waiting. This is the third way you keep yourself in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, this is talking about the second coming of Jesus where Jesus will return in power and glory, and He will bring about our final salvation. The fact that Jesus is 
is supreme over all is hidden right now, is it not? A lot of people don't, they don't realize it. We do spiritually, but physically, people don't acknowledge that Jesus is over all and superior. But one day they will realize it. One day when Jesus comes, he will fully reveal that he was always in control and that he was, all, he was actually taking world history and moving it to exactly that time in which he would come. Jesus then will make all things new, our faith will be made sight, and friends, we will taste the mercy of God and the love of God and the grace of God in its fullness. Right now, we get tastes of it. We get appetizers of it, if you will. But on that day, we will get the fullness, and for all of eternity, we will bask in the mercy of God. Now, for unbelievers, when He comes, it's going to be judgment. But for Christians, it's going to be mercy. Because here's the thing I want you to know. God has nothing in His heart toward you as his child, but love. Even when he disciplines you, it's because he loves you. Jesus has borne our judgment, and God has nothing but mercy for us. So how does waiting on Jesus and his second coming keep us in the love of God? Well, there's two things I just, I want you to hear. I know I'm out of time, but y'all just stay with me. You gotta get this. There's two things, there's two things that will make you forget the love of God. Number one is your sin, Number two, it is your suffering. Sin and suffering. Because you're going to blow it, right? You're going to sin. You're going to say, there's no way he could love me. Look what I did. Or you're suffering. There's no way he could love me. Look, I got to have surgery now. Look, I got to do this now. I lost my job now. Your sin, your suffering will make you think, will make you feel as though God doesn't love you. And friend, you've got to reject that. Because what you know is objectively true is that God demonstrated his love for you most clearly in the death and resurrection of his son. And you fix yourself on that so when your sin gets the best of you, when your suffering gets the best of you, you don't depend on your feelings in the moment. You come back to what you know is objectively true, that God loves me, that he's for me. He's got a plan in this. And none of this has thwarted that good plan that he has for my life. Now, everything in 2024 is going to try to get you to forget about the love of God in Jesus. So, how do you keep yourself in it? Well, this text helps us. You build, you pray, and you wait. But how do you, how do, you do that practically? Well, first of all, remember, this is all plural here, y'all. So, build yourselves up, pray together in the Holy Spirit, keep looking together for the coming of Christ. But we need each other. Did you know that? We need each other as the people of God. So our spiritual formation, you should write this down. My spiritual formation is a community project. In other words, you're a community project, okay? It is a community project. So there's, there's, there's a challenge I want to give to you as we end out this year. Five, four, three, two, one. I want you to consider these five, four, if you'll do these five, four, three, two, one. Now, don't hear you do this and God will bless you, love you, da, 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 da. No, this is all to help keep yourself in the enjoyment of the love of God, all right? So, number five, five days a week in the Word and prayer. Commit to that. Five days a week in the Word and prayer. So, a lot of Bible reading plans will give you the weekend off because we all fall behind from time to time. Our Bible reading plan is a little more of a stickler, so it gives you one day off. But at least, notice, at least, if you'll come in, at least five days a week, Monday to Friday or whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Word and, and, and think this way, 10, 10, 10, start there, 10 minutes in the Word, 10 minutes in prayer, 10 minutes reading a devotional. 
five minutes reading the Word, five minutes praying, five minutes memorizing a verse. Or maybe some of you graduate 20-20-20 or 30-30-30. Start somewhere and do it every single day, same time, same place. Guard it with all that you got because your spiritual life depends on it. If you'll do that, you will experience and you will keep yourself in the love of God. Number four, four times a month to Bible study, corporate worship, and serving. Some of us need to recommit ourselves to be here at least four times a month which means mostly every Sunday. There are some five months in there, and you may say, well, yes, I get a Sunday off every quarter. Well, that's not the heart behind this. The heart is be committed to your church family. Join in the Bible study. Understand how God has gifted you and come here ready not to be served, but to serve. Number three, times a month to midweek prayer. Now, our midweek prayer, sometimes we have like six or seven there. That's not good, friends. Um, so what if we all committed to at least three times a month I'm going to be there? At least three times. And we've got team kids, so your kids are covered, man. Kids are going to be cared for and loved. And so commit to be here three out of four Wednesday nights. Can you imagine what God will do this year if we come together and pray, friends, and we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit together as a body? And then number two, two times a month in your connect group. So commit two times every other week in your connect group. I'm going to be there. I'm going to listen to the sermon. I'm going to go over the questions. I'm going to come prepared. I'm not going to listen to the sermon on the way and then try to figure out some answers. That may happen every once in a while. But as a whole, I'm going to come ready. I'm going to come ready to discuss and pray. And then finally, one time a month to a men or women's gathering. Our PVC men, our PVC women. We're, we're seeking to really strengthen those and we believe in biblical masculinity and biblical femininity and if you would say one time a month one time a month i'm going to seek to be with the pvc women or with the pvc men and if you'll do these things no guarantees but god will use these to cultivate his love in you and he will use these to keep you in his love remember to enjoy it to enjoy his love. Now listen, Aristotle said it like this, your life is what you choose to do over and over again. Your life is what you choose to do. Did you know your plans don't change you? Did you know your good intentions don't change you? It's what you actually do. In fact, what you're doing right now is making you into something. The habits that you have right now, the habits you keep on a daily, weekly, hourly basis, the reason you're where you're at today is because all the habits you kept up to this point. So all I want to challenge you with today, keep yourself in the love of God by praying, or I'm sorry, by building, by praying, and by waiting. And then consider your habits because your habits in the year to come, they will end up making you into who you are desire to be. And for the Christian, there's nothing more than we want for the soil of our life to be going deeper in the height, width, and depth, and breadth of the love of God in Christ Jesus. So pray with me toward those ends. Lord God, um, would you give us fresh grace today to keep ourselves in your love this year? Lord, we want to help each other do that. We do. I pray that you would renew in us, Lord, a desire that, that my Christianity is not just about me, it, 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 it's about we. Certainly a personal aspect, God. We know that to be true, but we know that your word shows us that it was never meant to be personal and private. It was meant to be personal and corporate with the people of God. 
So I pray, God, that, that we would take serious these directives in your word. And God, I pray for those in our midst who, who need to say yes to Jesus' love for the very first time, that you would draw them today by your Son. God, that you would seal these truths in our mind as we look upon the year ahead. Thank you for your grace in the past. Thank you for all that you've done in our midst, the salvations, Lord, the baptisms, the, the, the folks who have wanted to be a part of this church, the membership, the various ways that people are serving, countless people that we fed through food distribution, all those things, Lord. It, it's not for our glory, God. It's for your glory. And may you in 2024 do as you said that you would, save sinners and strengthen saints. And we pray, God, that you would remind us today that ultimately all glory will be to Christ. And we sing and declare that now in the mighty name of our King, by the power of the Spirit, to your glory, Father. And everybody said, can we stand our feet and respond in song?